0: Nice. Good evening everybody. My name is Clay, if we've uh, not met before. Oh, I've met you before. Right, sorry, you don't all get that. (laughs) Lillian is very, very special. Okay, um, we're going to try something a little different tonight. Um, We'll see how this works. Um, it is important um, that when we meet like this and someone gets up and talks at you for um, no more than forty minutes, and hopefully a lot less, that what you leave with is what God intended, and what you leave with is really what uh, God has placed on my heart what i 'm really trying to say, because what often happens is that through for a various well, number of reasons, people can leave. Uh, having a different idea to what the speaker was actually trying to say. And uh, then, like Chinese whispers, before you know it, uh, the rock is preaching all kinds of interesting things. Uh, so uh, these times are actually really to bring clarity on on what God is saying and what God is doing among us. So I want things to be clear. We want things to be clear. So um, if you've got questions, now is actually a good time to ask them. So if I say something which sounds crazy, it might be crazy. Uh or it might be that you didn't quite hear what I was trying to say, or maybe I didn't explain myself well. So here's what we're gonna we're gonna do tonight and we'll see how this works. Who's got uh, a mobile telephone with them? Anyone, you've got one? Normally you'd be turning it off about now. Uh but uh no, um I'd like you to keep them on uh, and maybe, maybe turn the volume off. But here's what I'd like you to do. Um, if you have a question, uh, throw it up, you bro. If you've, if you've got a question uh, about something I've just said or you're not sure about, I want you to fire that que- question to me in the form of a text message. Um, I, if it's close to English, that'll be helpful. Um, and that includes text, English, which is not really English at all. So uh, yeah, if you have a question, fire that in. And what, what I'd like to do is when we get when we get to the end of this time, is uh, is have a look at some. Um, maybe we could have a look at some of those questions, and I could clarify a couple of things. And if, if and maybe if I don't hit them now, we I could like get back to you during the week, and we could just clarify some things. But um, uh, I know this is mostly a monologue. Uh, but I, we would like it to be more of a dialogue and for a chances to push back and ask questions because the reality is we're trying to contend for truth here. Uh, and uh, I think in the discussion is where we're going to find really what that truth is. Um, I don't believe that I am the arbiter of truth in this place, that's for sure. Uh, and I, I want to be more and more open to hear from you and hear from God speaking through uh, through his church. Uh, but I've got the microphone now, so um, you can listen. But you can, but you can text if you've got a question or anything else. Is that cool? Okay. So, oh two one eight one zero four three six. That's Clay. Um, I will be turning my phone off at what do you reckon, love? <laughs> Nine o'clock. So uh, I won't be receiving any phone calls for anything else after that time. But um, all right, let's get into it. I'll get some notes that'll help. Right. And I'll start with prayer. Because Lord, no one wants my wisdom. What do I know? But you know all. And we want, we want the mind of Christ, Lord, just to be revealed more and more tonight, Lord. We want your word, your plan. So I pray, Lord, that that's what would come through now. Give us ears to hear, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Right. I have been in uh, full-time ministry for the better part of 14 years now, and one influence that became increasingly pervasive as I continued to train in ministry and attend more and more uh, church leadership conferences was the growing impact of corporate management principles on church leadership strategy. Everything was about the strategy. you needed a mission statement, a vision statement, and a purpose statement, and they are all different, but correlated. You needed smart goals uh, and a strategic plan that broke down to your one-year plan, your three-year plan, your five-year plan, your 10-year plan, and ideally your 20-year plan. And all of this, of course, would present nicely on a flow chart. Different fonts for different levels. Everything was about strategy. To get anywhere, you needed to know where you were going. And that just seemed so right to me, so logical. Yes, give me a flowchart. It made sense, and I planned out my life and my ministry. Down to at one stage, it seemed almost six-minute increments, We had timesheets to prove that. Six-minute increments. I had it nailed down. I conceived these amazing, if I do say so myself, amazing, ambitious goals and plans. And they looked very good in my well-formatted annual report, complete with column graphs and timelines. If only that were the way the kingdom of God works. I'd <laughs> be awesome. Proverbs 16, verse nine: "In their hearts, humans plan their course, but the Lord establishes their steps." Proverbs 19:21: "Many are the plans in a person's heart, but the Lord's purpose that prevails." So yeah, we, we make all these plans in the church and in our lives. But what are they worth? And how much, if anything, do they have to do with God's plan? In Jeremiah twenty nine eleven, a verse I'm sure we've heard many times. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Before we get too much into the fact that God's actually speaking to Israel, and it's not necessarily something we can arbitrarily apply to anyone at any baptism ever, the reality is that God is the one who knows the plans. He's the one with the plans for us, and they are good plans. They are the best plans. But we can't help ourselves. We have to, despite this, go ahead and do our own planning anyway. And then, we ask God to bless those plans. And we are confused and disappointed when for some reason, He doesn't. Do you really think God is going to bless our plans? Well think again, Isaiah chapter 30 verse 1. Woe to the obstinate children declares the Lord, to those who carry out plans that are not mine, forming an alliance but not by my spirit, heaping sin upon sin. We think of sin as being vile, dirty, filthy, And in one sense, it all is. But the truth is, most of the sins that I guess a lot of us commit don't look that vile and dirty at all. They are rebellion, but they don't always look as filthy as we might think. You see, sin in its simplest definition is anything that is contrary to the will of God. And there's all kinds of things that can look quite honorable, even religious, that can actually be sin. In 1 Samuel chapter 13, we read of a time when Saul offered a burnt offering to the Lord. But he did so against the expressed will of God that he would not do so. He offered God a sacrifice that God had told him not to. And in doing so, that religious act, that rebellion against God's will, was sin. Saul is there churching it up. Sinning the whole time. Doesn't always look as vile and filthy. But sin is rebellion. And the consequences of that sin were his dynasty would die with him. And another man's son would claim the throne of Israel. Sin doesn't always look dirty. It can look honorable. It can look even religious. But if it's contrary to God's will, it is sin, full stop. If our plans aren't God's plans, then we're planning a life that leads us away from his will and not towards it. But that's okay Because we don't need to make our own plans. God already has a plan for us and for his church. So we just need to seek him. And that's exactly what Greg and the elders have been doing. They have been seeking the Lord. And the Lord has been revealing his heart and his will for our church. Or should I say his church? Through sermons, life group discussions, and in face-to-face dialogue, God's plan is being shared with the church here so that the Spirit can position us to become the people of God that we are called to be and fulfill the purposes He has planned for us. Now, we've been asking people all over the church, what are you hearing here at The Rock? What do you think God is doing And where are you at with that? And to those kind of questions, we've been getting some mixed feedback, would be one way to put it. Some of that feedback is, see ya. Some of the people like the idea of God building his church and shaping us into the likeness of Christ and the impact that that might have on the world around us. But they are hesitant to commit personally to the process because they don't know what the process is exactly. They don't know what it looks like. They would like to see some more details. A map would be nice. A strategic plan would be better. An instructional video would be perfect. And uh, I would be that kind of person. Other people are struggling with the idea of a new revelation because they aren't getting the revelation personally. And I'll just pause to say, if I come across as facetious, that's actually just my personality. And I apologize, I don't mean anything like that. But this idea of new revelation and God pouring out a new word, uh because... Because people aren't receiving that for themselves. And this is certainly something that I struggled with for a couple of years here. Some people are thinking that it's okay for Greg to get the words and the vision. But what about me? If God wants me to do something, then he will have to tell me himself. And I get that. That that makes sense to me. If only the kingdom of God worked like that. And God spoke to each one of us personally about his plans for the church, and he always gave us a detailed program of everything he was going to do. Of course, I actually pray for that. But he doesn't answer. If only he would give us a clear, full-color, high-def, 3D, 5.1 sound, vision, video, That explains exactly what he's doing With subtitles and director's commentary That would be awesome Because then we wouldn't need faith Faith is hard Faith is risky Uh, Faith makes me anxious So I'd like the video please But no, that is not unfortunately how the kingdom of God works. The Kingdom of God doesn't work by committee. It's not a democracy. Uh, my opinion doesn't really matter. We don't take a vote on anything. We don't even get a referendum. That's not how the kingdom works. God speaks. God moves. And the prophetic and apostolic gifts he has blessed his church with discern his voice. They discern his movement and then they lead the church into that. This is what Greg and the elders have been doing. That is what their role in the kingdom is here at The Rock. They hear... And then they lead the people into the next step of God's reveal plan. That's how the kingdom works. I've been in the church for 23 years now. And I spent 20 of those making my own plans. Determining my own truth. And following my own path. Because of my unrepentant attitudes, I was never able to submit to the authority that God had raised up in his church. In the flesh, I have always struggled with authority. My earliest memories of school, I struggled with authority. With my father, with all authority figures, I rebelled against it. And I carried that attitude into the church. It was one part of myself that I did not surrender to God. And so I was always skeptical and cynical of leadership. And I would question leaders more than anyone else. What right do they have to tell me what to do or speak into my life or even say anything from the front? So I kind of set up my own church within myself. And I would determine what truth is. And I would do what I would want. I was never able to recognize the God-ordained and biblically expressed means by which God speaks to And leads his church. And so, unsubmitted to authority, not sitting under the apostolic and prophetic gifts, I did not have the humility to receive God's word from an anointed brother or sister. And so I didn't receive his prophetic word at all. Instead, I made it up for myself from my own interpretation of Scripture. And I made do with that. And somehow thought that I was growing. And I was growing in a knowledge that puffed me up. God is looking for people of faith with which to build a church that will transform this world. A church worthy of his son Jesus. Those people need to have faith in him. And faith in his spirit on those around them at church. Because it is God's divine and perfect will that he would work through broken and imperfect people so that he would be glorified. And that has been his policy throughout biblical history. Broken people. Every hero raised up in scripture is raised up from brokenness for god's glory so i don't follow greg i follow the god that is in greg the god that has called him raised him up and anointed him to lead this church apostolically the god who speaks to him who gives him words and visions in the same way that he always has Amos 3, seven. Surely the Sovereign Lord does nothing without revealing his plan to his servants, the prophets. Now I've got a book that I love that is filled with the words of those prophets. And that word, I believe, is just as powerful and living now as the day it was written. But I believe that God has more to say that would keep us aligned to his true plan. I don't believe God is bringing us any new theologies, any new doctrines, but I believe His prophetic word is alive because we keep straying from the truth of His scripture. So the prophetic word now, the apostolic leadership now, is about aligning us back to what was always there. If we'll listen. I am not a prophet, I am not an apostle. But those gifts are among us. And God is revealing his word and his way through those gifts. And if we have ears to hear and a humble heart to receive, well, God can speak to us too. And he is patiently persevering to do that. In Numbers 13, we read the story of 12 spies who were sent to explore Canaan, the promised land. And bring back a report to the Israelites. Of those 12, 10 saw without faith. And all they could see was obstacles and giants and defeat. Only two saw with faith. Only two saw the blessing that God had for them. And believed that God would lead them on and give them victory. It was the voice of the ten without faith that was the loudest. And those ten led the people into revolt against Moses and against God. And as a result of that rebellion, that entire generation died in the desert. They never saw the promise. They never got to claim it and receive it for themselves. Because they listened to the faithless. Instead of following the leader God had appointed. Instead of receiving word with faith. I want to be led by people of faith. People of vision. People who hear God's voice and see with prophetic eyes. Being led by other people. Does that make me a sheep? Yeah, it makes me a sheep. It's exactly what Jesus calls us. Sheep trust and they follow the shepherd. And the shepherd keeps them safe. And the shepherd feeds them. And God raises up shepherds among us. And the more we surrender to that and let God lead us through others, well, then we are fed. And we are safe. And we can stick to God's plan and his will. So yeah, I... And this is hard for me. But I need to open myself to the prophetic ministry. And not filter everything through the the filter of my own logic and reason. And this is hard for me. But this is why. Because my own intellect would respond exactly the same way that the ten spies did. Because the ten spies didn't lie. They told it exactly how they saw it. They reasoned it out. And their reason was solid. The people they would have to fight in Canaan, the giants, the giants were real. The battles, they would lose. In fact, you see in the testimony later, they did lose the battles when God's hand was off them. So yeah, they told it how it was, but they told it without faith. They didn't see with faith eyes, and I would have responded the same way. I would have reasoned it out, and I would have told the people, "Nah, we can't do it, there's giants, there's too many of them, it's not worth it, let's go back to Egypt. That's my intellect, that's my reason. The reasoning is solid, it's just faithless. I need something which is greater than my own intellect. And I've got to believe that the truth God has is greater than what I can figure out for myself. And so my intellect is not the filter. Does that mean that my faith is mindless? It is not. God said we were to love him with all our heart and all our mind, all our soul and all our strength. He has given us an intellect, but not to rule us. And my mind must be submitted to him just as much as every part of me. I need to respond with faith first and then let him renew my mind and see the truth then. I need to receive the apostolic and prophetic ministry in this church with faith. The filter that God has given us is his written word and the discernment of the spirit that he's placed within us. I will exercise faith when, and I am eagerly looking for prophetic word but anything which is contrary to the word of God it's not of him. When you see and you hear without faith, you fear and you run. we are called to have faith and to follow, whether we know where we're going or what it looks like or not. and as it turns out, the destination, the place where God is leading us, isn't even a place at all; it's a person. God is leading us into a deeper deeper revelation and experience of himself. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The more of him we know, the more we will be transformed into his likeness. And a church transformed into the likeness of Christ is the only church that can do any good in this world. Hebrews 12 verses 1 to 2 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. The goal that we are striving for is not this room packed to the rafters several times a week. It's not a hundred hands raised in an altar call. It's not the coffers overflowing with tithes. It's not city-wide programs. It's not a promotion at work either. It's not a bigger house or a newer car or a batch. It's not a degree. It's not the goal. The goal is Him. We fix our eyes on Him. We walk daily, step by step, closer to Him. And along the way, God will guide our path. And He will make of us what He will. Joseph didn't plan to be the ruler of Egypt. Moses didn't plan to be the leader of Israel. David didn't plan to be king. Esther didn't plan to save the Jews. Peter didn't plan to lead the church. Paul didn't plan to take the gospel to the world. This was not their idea. In fact, what they had in mind for themselves, as far as we know, was the exact opposite. These guys were doing their own thing until they surrendered their will to God. And they started letting him call the shots. These people were led to greatness, not by their own ambition, but by surrendering to God. Do you really want any life? other than the one that he has for you. So what does that mean for us? Well, I can tell you what it's meant for me. This understanding and the journey so far over the last two years at this church, when I think my eyes have really started to come open, has meant, meant me submitting to spiritual authority, it's meant letting the leaders God has raised up lead me. And if you haven't known me for very long, you might not grasp just how big uh, the ego that God had to overcome in me. It's meant learning to receive the gifting and ministry of prophets and honoring the gift on, that peop- on those people. It's meant learning to have faith along the way we are going, even though I don't have the details and the answers. And if you know me, you know I need details and answers. It's meant reevaluating and realigning my priorities to put God's kingdom first and all our second. And that's been a real tough one for me because God chose to teach me this lesson after I was married and had children. It would have been more convenient for me to learn that beforehand. But His kingdom comes first. And He has promised that He will add everything else to it. But seek Him first. It has meant learning to trust in the Lord with all my heart and lean not on my own understanding, submitting to Him in all my ways so that He may make my path straight. And that path, it turns out, is straight to Him. And that is what this journey has meant for me so far. He's my goal. He is the goal of this church. That is what he's calling us to. The ambition that he's looking to nurture in me, foster in me, ignite in me, is a passion, a desire for more of him. And everything else is just, it'll be what it will be. He will take care of what needs to happen. I commit myself to him. I let him guide my path. And then I see what he does with me. Anything that I conceive of myself will be a poor shadow of what his reality is. So that's, that's what the journey has meant for me so far. And I imagine for a lot of us here tonight, it probably means something like that too. So my challenge to you tonight, as it is to myself every day, is to let go of this world. Let go of your plans your ambitions, and to seek him. To let him lead you where he would. And let him lead you through the people that he would ordain. I am not there yet. This is something I'm still working through, but I find the more I give in in to him on this, the more he does in me and through me. And I'm seeing the fruit already. So yeah, like most things in faith, it is one day at a time, one step at a time. But the prize is priceless. It's him, an intimacy, a relationship with him that you can't even conceive of. And who knows what he will do with you along the way.